0: Well, good morning, Cross Point Church. How's everybody doing this morning? Everybody doing well? It is good to see you here today and just so excited to gather with you as we continue in this series that we've been walking through together. You know, in, in, in case you missed it last week, we had a great service uh, uh, last week as we celebrated Easter. That is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And, and you know, I was thinking about this morning, the reality that really every Sunday we, we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen. It's one of those things that, as, as the church, is so foundational for us to always remember. And we're going to continue to do that today as we continue in the series that we started last week. We started a series last week called One Faith. And, uh, and, and I'll tell you, I'm, I'm very excited about this series because I think it's going to help pull us to, to a, a place of understanding to, to what makes us up as a local congregation residing here in Valdosta, Georgia, worshiping together and and doing life together and and, and following Jesus together in our community. That's what this series is sort of designed to do, to to sort of help us recognize those things that make us one. And so I'm excited about diving into the second message of the series today. Uh, I want to just go ahead and pray for us, and then we're going to dive right in today. We've got a lot of exciting things to, to talk about. So pray with me, if you will, today. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit of God, Lord, we thank You for Your presence in our life. And we thank You, God, for the opportunity that we have to gather in this room, together, collectively. Lord, we could be at a a hundred different places today, but today we chose to to be here together with each other and to worship You in spirit and truth. And what what a morning it has been already of just of just worship in spirit and truth. God, I thank You for the opportunity to to just worship with a faith family that loves You, that celebrates You, and that celebrates the the resurrection of our Savior, Jesus Christ. God, we thank You for every opportunity we have to to live for You. And God, I pray that we would be faithful in proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ to all that that we come in contact with. God, today as we dive into Your Word and we we seek to understand even more of what makes us a body of believers. God, as we dive into Your Word and seek to understand what really helps us to come together as a a faith family. Together, worshiping Jesus. Father, I pray that You would help us to set aside every distraction that may be in place. God, I I pray that You'll help us to to focus on who You are this morning as we enter into a time that is is designed today to be very reflective as we think about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. God, we love You so much, and we thank You, God, for all that You are. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, you probably have recognized, I probably don't have to tell you this, but you've probably already recognized that we live in a world today where there is a great deal of religious confusion. You know, there there are just so many different faiths that exist in our world today. It has been said that there are somewhere between 8 and 12 major world religions that exist in our world today. That's a lot. That's a lot of people that are buying into some sort of religious system and declaring that their system is the right system to believe in. And so out of 8 to 12 world religions that exist, there have been recognized within those 8 to 12 world religions, uh, somewhere around 4,000 different sub, uh, subcategories of each of these religions. And so that's a lot of diversity as you begin to examine the world's religions. Now somewhere in that mix is Christianity. And around here we talk a lot about authentic Christianity and And so no doubt, Christianity is one of those major world religions that we're talking about. But it's also been said that there's a lot of diversity among the Christian church. In fact, one statistician that I was reading in preparation for this message estimated that there were over 34,000 different identified Christian groups in the world today. And all of those groups are sort of defined by their personal convictions and beliefs now that's enough to just confuse all of us isn't it you would think that there would just be one faith and 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 the reality is as a local church we we recognize that there are certain foundational truths that would would certainly point to authentic christianity There are things like the virgin birth that we believe in, that we hold on to. And for those of us who believe in that, we would say that this is an essential to the Christian faith. We talk about the reality that only through Christ Jesus can one come to know the Father. Only through Christ Jesus can one be saved. And so for us as believers, we certainly hold to that as a foundational truth. We would recognize that Jesus is divine in His nature and holy. This is another foundational truth for us as believers in Christ Jesus. But the reality is this, is that there are a lot of doctrinal differences that sort of separate one local church from another. And we recognize this in our world today. And so part of what we want to accomplish in this series is to help us understand what makes up the DNA of this particular local body of believers. Because it's important that we understand who we are as followers of Jesus Christ. It's important that we understand what we believe about things like the Lord's Supper and baptism. It's important that we understand the divinity of Jesus Christ, that we understand that He is divine, that He is not just simply a man who was born in a manger and who died on a cross and was buried in a tomb and is living in the ground today somewhere, buried in the ground today somewhere. No, we, we worship a risen Savior, and that's what we were celebrating last year week uh, as we celebrated Easter so it's important that we understand who we are and most of us would agree with that today I want to invite you to go ahead and turn with me to 1 Corinthians we're going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and this morning we're going to be looking at verses 23 through 28 now last week we looked at uh, the, the message was titled one day that changed it all we were looking at the the resurrection of Jesus Christ Today we're going to be talking about the one sacrifice that paid it all. You may have noticed the, the songs that we were singing today had a lot to talk about. The, the blood of Jesus. We, we, we lifted up our voices in, in praise and adoration, thanking God for the blood that was spilled, the blood that atones for our sins. And so today we're going to be talking about that one sacrifice that paid it all. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 through 28 you know most of us have some understanding of Jesus's death on the cross most of us understand that Jesus went to the cross and it was there that he died and that he not only died but he died for us most of us as believers in Christ Jesus we we come to that understanding we we understand that as part of our gospel understanding the part of the uh, the the gospel the story of Jesus and we know that he died for us that His blood that would be spilled for us would atone for our sins that we may find salvation through Christ Jesus. And so we understand that as believers in Christ Jesus. We certainly understand that. Romans 5.8 speaks into this when it says, but God shows His love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so we understand that. We're, we're thankful for that this morning. We're thankful that Christ was willing to to go to the cross on our behalf. How many of you are thankful for that this morning? Amen? That is something we celebrate. Uh, You know, thinking of the death of Jesus is not something that really feels all that pleasant, does it? But knowing that He is willing to do that for us, to go on our behalf, is something that we certainly should celebrate. 1 Corinthians 15.3 says this, For I delivered to you, as of first importance, what I also received, That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. And so we want to certainly celebrate that. That Christ died for our sins. His blood was shed for the atonement of our sins. And so that's something that is is hugely foundational for us as believers in Christ Jesus. We should know this. We should understand this. I love the video where Doug was speaking uh, about how he came to understand the Lord's Supper. And part of what we come to church and gather in this place for uh, is that we can grow in our understanding of exactly what it was that Jesus Christ accomplished on the cross, what he accomplished in the grave, what he accomplished as he rose from the grave. Uh, we, we need to understand how, how Jesus' relationship with us, how, how it means more than just something that is a religious system. And so we want to understand this, and today we want to dive into this sacrifice that He made. You know, one of two ordinances that Jesus gave us is to remember the great sacrifice that Jesus made. And we do that through the Lord's Supper. The other ordinance that Jesus gave us was baptism. We're going to be talking about that next week. But the one we're looking at today is the, is the instructions that He gave to us as disciples To remember Him when we come together and eat. When we break bread together. When we dine together. And one of the ways that we can do this is by partaking in the Lord's Supper together. It has great meaning and I hope today that as we dive into God's Word together that this would be something that really uh, helps you understand the importance of the Lord's Supper. In his letter to the Corinthians, Paul reveals how we're to do this. And this is our text today. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 28. Read this with me, if you will. Paul writes these words He says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you. That the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink it, The cup you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. So let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. I thought it was interesting listening to Doug's testimony. About the Lord's Supper and how he he was curious about what is taking place when when a church comes together and they break bread together, they they eat bread together and they drink from the fruit of the vine together. It, it's interesting to hear his testimony because mine was very similar. You know, growing up, I grew up in the Episcopal faith. It's it's where we went as a as a boy and as a as a child. I, I remember going to the church every Sunday and. And quite honest, I'll just be honest with you, I, I really didn't uh, enjoy going to church as a young man, most like many of our children grew up and sort of resisted coming to church. We, we were told that it was important for us to go, and, you know, and so we did what we were told and we came to church, but, but that was sort of my life. It wasn't something that I really necessarily enjoyed, but I would, I would go to church with my family, and as we went... Every week we would take communion. That was something that happened in the, uh, the Episcopal faith. And so, uh, so as we got we to that place, that time where, where, uh, where I was confirmed in this faith and, and I began to take the Lord's Supper, I began to recognize it as something that was very important for the life of the church. I didn't understand it, much like Doug was testifying. I didn't understand what the bread was really representing or what the, 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 the juice was representing. I didn't understand why we did this. But I could tell by just observing the church as they came together that this was a time that was very reverent. It was a time where we worshiped God together. It was something that had a great deal of importance. And as I grew up, I too began to ask the questions, what does this all mean? And one of the things that we want to look at today is the, the significance of the Lord's Supper. Why it is that this is one of the ordinances that Jesus Christ has given us to do together in remembrance of Him. And so we want to look at that today. We want to dive into this and, and really sort of unpack this. The Lord's Supper is one of the most important things that we can do together as a church. Let me say that again. The Lord's Supper is something that is one of the most important things that we can do together as a church. You know, one of the reasons we probably don't do it every Sunday is because... If, if we do that, it would probably become very routine to us, and we would maybe lose the emphasis that, that the Lord's Supper is. Jesus doesn't instruct us to do it every week. He just says, when we do it, we do so to remember Him. And so we want to do it with some regularity. We want to do it you know, quite consistently, but we want to do it with great meaning and reverence and understanding. And so this morning we, we, we come to realize that this is a very important thing. And when we eat together, when we break bread together, we remember Jesus' death, His burial, and most importantly, His resurrection. We celebrate that resurrection because it is foundational to our Christianity, to our faith. It is foundational to everything that we believe. And so we, we celebrate that together. But the Lord's Supper is much more than just simply remembering Jesus. We can do that without the Lord's Supper, can't we? The Lord's Supper has a deep meaning to it. When we go back and we look into the life of Jesus and the disciples and we study their life, we begin to see that there was something really incredible about what was taking place. There was great historical meaning to what was happening when Jesus had the Last Supper with His disciples. And so we want to kind of dive into this this morning together what we know as communion really got its start over the jewish passover meal and so that's something that is important for us to understand that this is really the beginnings of what we know today as the lord's supper the passover was for the jewish people a, a celebration it was a celebration it was a festival and it was a celebration. Of remembering the redemption, the redemption and the deliverance of the Jewish people from Egypt, where God brought his people out of Egypt. He brought his people out of Egypt and he delivered them from that bondage that they were in. And so the Passover was a time for the church to come together, excuse me, for the Jewish people to come together and to celebrate this deliverance. And so what we come to see when we look and study. Jesus' life and how He interacted with His disciples, we see that Jesus used the Passover meal to show His disciples something that is truly important for us to understand. You see, whereas the Jewish people was doing the Passover meal, they were having this Passover meal together to celebrate their heritage and their deliverance from Egypt, Jesus was using the Passover meal to speak into the lives of His disciples and point to this reality. That they had been delivered from their sin. That they had been delivered from the bondage of sin. And so this morning I want to I dive into this. I want us to look at this. So let's look at what the Passover meant for the disciples. And then also what it means for us today. As we dive into the text here and other texts as well. First I want to look at what the Passover meant for the disciples. Because quite honestly it meant something a little bit different. Now Jesus was changing all of that. Jesus was making a shift and and what we have come to know the, the Lord's Supper to mean today. But what it meant for them was something a little bit different than what it means for us today. And I want to show you this. The Passover, as I've mentioned, was the first Jewish festival, and it was remembering this Exodus from Egypt. And if we go back to Exodus chapter 12, verse 14, we see where this Passover. Was declared. This this uh, this ordinance was given to the Jewish people to remember this this glorious day when they were when they were released from the bondage of Egypt. We read in Exodus chapter twelve, verse fourteen: This day shall be for you a memorial day, and you shall keep it as a fe- a feast to the Lord throughout your generations as a statute forever. You shall keep it as a feast. You know, the most important part of the of this festival, this Passover festival, was what was known as the Seder meal. It was the meal, and, and, and they call it the Seder. And, and one of the things that was really significant about this was that it, it was done so in a very ritualistic manner. It wasn't like we typically come to the dinner table together with our families. I don't know if it's... If your life is like ours, but so often you know you're kind of grabbing a biscuit on the way out the door, you know, and you you're not stopping to sit down with your family and enjoy a meal. Maybe some of us do that from time to time. Hopefully, we do dine together and break bread together as a family. But you know, our, our our meals today would look really different than a seder meal would have looked to the Jewish people. Because what we do is we lay the food out, we say a blessing at the beginning, and then we just dive in. And we hope we get enough because if there's too many people, some people may get more portions than you, right? And so we fight over these portions. And and there's not a lot of meaning other than I want to fill my belly. That's sort of the meaning to our meals. But Seder literally means order. And so it's one of these things where as they entered into this Passover meal, there were several things that they did altogether that had great significance. It was a ritual, yes, but it also told the story of history. It told the story of deliverance. Through taking this meal together, they celebrated their deliverance out of Egypt. And so one of the things that we know is that as Jesus gathered with his disciples, that they were about to partake in this Seder meal. They were, as Jewish people themselves, they were about to partake together and remember the deliverance out of Egypt as Jesus was preparing to tell them to remember always the reality that he is the one who delivered them from their sins. And so it has great historical significance as we dive into this. I want to show you something where Jesus and his disciples were gathering for this Passover meal Turn with me, if you will, to Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12. And look at verses 12 through 16 with me. Mark chapter 12, verse 16 through 20. It says this, And on the first day of unleavened bread, when they had sacrificed the Passover lamb, and so here, here we see in, this, in the Scriptures that it's the, it's the season of Passover. It's a time when the Jewish people were celebrating the Passover. They were beginning to prepare to remember and to reflect on their deliverance out of Egypt. And it says here, and on the first day of the unleavened bread, when they had sacrificed the Passover lamb, his disciples said to him, where will you have us to go and prepare for you to eat the Passover? And so you see the disciples telling Jesus, they're saying, listen, we got to do this. I mean, this is what we do. And so they're asking Jesus, where where will we go to celebrate this great festival, to have this meal together as a a group of people who, who, who are living life and doing life together? And Jesus says this, and then it says in verse 13, and He sent out two of His disciples and He said to them, go into the city and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him. And wherever he enters, Say to the master of the house, the teacher says, where is my guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room furnished and ready there prepared for us. And the disciples, they set out and they went into the city and found it just as he had told them and they prepared the Passover. And so here we see the disciples, these two, they go and it says that they they find this house. They they discover the upper room. And and the, and, and really the, the the significant parts of this passage that we just read together is this: is that they prepared the Passover. In other words, they prepared to participate together in the Passover meal. And so they were preparing to go through this ritual of Passover. They were preparing as Jewish people to eat together, to break bread together, but more than that, to retell the story of deliverance, of redemption, to retell the story of of God delivering His people out of the bondage of Egypt. They were preparing to celebrate this together. This has always been very interesting to me. It's been very interesting because I'm a bit of a history buff myself, and and, and, and this just sort of, pauses to take a look at history it pauses it gives everybody time to stop to hit the pause button and to look back and say listen do you remember how God delivered us from this and so it's it's very interesting to me now I want to I want to real quickly just sort of take you through what they would have done that day with Jesus I want to take you through this Seder meal It's it's sort of long, it's a a lot of steps, but I think it's important that we as a body of believers understand what Jesus and His disciples were doing that day as they prepared this Passover meal, as they got the elements spread out, and they spread out all the things that they would be eating and, and doing that day, and then they begun to go through this Passover meal. The first thing that they would have done is done what they call the sanctification blessing or the sanctification. And this is where they would pray over the wine that they were going to be drinking at this meal. It was in honor of the holiday, and it was what they would do first before they did anything else. And then they would move from a time of blessing to a time of washing. There wasn't a prayer that was said here. It was just a time of washing. It was a time of cleansing oneself and making themselves clean so that they could partake in the the Passover meal. And then would come the vegetable. Typically, this would be parsley that was used or something similar to that. And the parsley would represent really their lowly beginnings as the Jewish people. But what was interesting about this vegetable is they would also dip it into salt water before they ate it. They would dip it into this salt water and they would eat this vegetable. And that was to represent the tears that had been shed during their time of bondage. And so you see how this is very ritual in its nature. They're going through very systematically different steps to remember their heritage, to remember the reality that God had delivered them. So after the vegetable, the next to come was the breaking of the bread. And they would have three matzah breads that were basically on the table, and they would take one of these matzah breads, and they would break this bread. Now that would come to... To rec- to, for us to, to be very symbolic of the, the broken body of Christ Jesus. But, but here they would break one of these be- breads and they would lay it on the table, and then next would come the story. How many of you at Christmas time have ever sat down, uh, if you grew up in a house like I did? Before you could open any presents, somebody had to tell the Christmas story. And so this is where, you know, the food is sitting on the table. I could just imagine being a 16-year-old boy at Passover and starving out of your mind, and the feast is on the table, and they say, now before we eat, we're going to tell the story. And you've heard this story 16 times, right? Every year for 16 years, you've heard this story. But the story was told, and the story was told because the story was of great importance. It was a story of God delivering His people from Egypt. Then after that came a second washing. I mean, uh, you know, it's one of these things where, you know, they would prepare themselves in, in such ritual ways. And then there would be the blessing over the grain. The breads that they were going to eat, there would be a blessing over the grain. And then there was a blessing over the matzah, which was the bread. And so there was a lot of prayer that was going into this. And next would come the bitter herbs. And this symbolized really the bitterness of slavery. You see, one of the things that generations would not know that had not been under the bondage of Egypt, the younger children, the the teenagers maybe, they would not have remembered what bondage was like and so they would partake with a bitter herb. Something that tastes bad to sort of symbolize the bitterness of slavery that they had faced for so long. After that, they would eat the Passover lamb. This lamb that was unblemished, that had been sacrificed. This lamb that was prepared for this feast. They would participate in the Passover lamb. And then followed by that was this festival dinner, this meal that was eaten. Now it's time to eat. After that, there were several other things. And the last thing that they would do at the Passover that was really important for the Jewish people is that they would have what they came to know as the closing. Really, the closing was a wish. And what they were wishing for is that the Messiah would come before they celebrated the next year's Passover. And so this was the Passover meal. This is what Jesus and His disciples would have been doing that day. When they reclined at the table, when they gathered together, when they celebrated together, when they came together to break bread. It wasn't near as simplistic as what we do today and what we have come to know as the Lord's Supper. It was something that took time. It was something that was very intentional. It was something that was very orderly. It was something that was done with really a great ritual. This Passover meal. But it was very important to the Jewish people. And it was very important to Jesus and His disciples. But you see, at this Passover meal, the Last Supper with Jesus, there was something else that was celebrated. There was something else that was made mention of. At this Passover meal, you see, they were dining with the final lamb. They were dining with Jesus Himself. And this meal that they were doing was a mere foreshadowing of what's to come. You see, Jesus would be the final lamb, and He would be the perfect lamb. He would be the better lamb. And so what Jesus was doing was having this last meal, and He was presenting Himself as the final sacrificial lamb. John spoke about this. In John chapter 1, verse 29, we read this verse. It says, "...in the next day he saw Jesus coming toward him." And He said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You see, you and I, we read this. And maybe we don't understand the significance of what it means for Jesus to be the Lamb of God. We don't understand the significance of how they were relating that to the Passover meal. Where they would, they would sacrifice an unblemished lamb to feast during the Passover week, to feast during the Passover meal, to hope and pray that the Messiah would come. You You see, for Jesus, we know Him as the Lamb of God. In fact, we were singing about that just this morning together as we lifted our voices in praise and adoration, singing and praising Jesus for being the perfect Lamb of God. Jesus also, during the Last Supper, he reveals this to His disciples. In our text that we were looking at earlier, He says these words in verse 22. He says, and as they were eating, He took the bread. This is the part where He would have taken the, the, the bread and He would have broken the bread, symbolizing many different things, but but here symbolizing this reality. He, he says after the, after the blessing, He took it and He broke it and he gave it to them, and look at what he says this time. He says, this is my body. This is my body. Jesus is breaking the rules here. Jesus is sort of getting out of order here. But Jesus is declaring something that is hugely significant for the disciples to understand, He is declaring that He is the Lamb of God. That He is the perfect Lamb. And as He breaks the bread, He's symbolizing the reality that His body will be broken on a cross. He says, this bread that you take today, this bread is My body. And He doesn't stop there. He says, and He took the cup, this wine that they would have been drinking together, and when He had given thanks, when He gave Yet another blessing, He gave it to them and they all drank. And He said to them, this is My blood. This is My blood of the covenant. What covenant? Of the new covenant that He brings. Of the new covenant which is poured out for many. Speaking of the atonement that His blood would accomplish on the cross. You see, when we come together for the Lord's Supper... It's not just a ritual. When we come together for the Lord's Supper, it's not just something that we do because the church thinks it's kind of a cool thing to do. It's not even to think back about deliverance from Egypt because that doesn't apply to us. It's to remember the body that was broken and the blood that was spilled from the cross. Because Jesus says, every time you do this, you remember Me you remember what I accomplished for you. And so what does the Passover meal look like for us? For us, we're not celebrating redemption from Egypt. We're not celebrating redemption from slavery to the Egyptians. But what we are doing is celebrating redemption. And what we are celebrating is the redemption from sin. 1 John 1.7 says this, But if we walk in the light as He is the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. You see, the blood was spilled for the atonement of our sin. And though this Lord's Supper that we partake in doesn't do that for us, that was already accomplished on the cross, it is very symbolic of the broken body and the blood that was spilled. And so therefore, we celebrate and we, we are thankful and we worship Jesus in this remembrance of all the work that He accomplished for us on the cross. My prayer is, is the next time that we take Lord's Supper, which will actually be in a few moments, that it will not just be a simple routine that we've done thousands of times. My prayer is that as we come to partake in the Lord's Supper together today, that we would truly reflect on the work of Jesus that He accomplished on the cross. And that we would come to really appreciate the reality of all that He did for us that day He died. And those days that He was buried. And even that day where He rose from the grave having victory over sin and death. I pray that today as we partake in the Lord's Supper that it will have deep meaning for us. You see, we celebrate Jesus who is our perfect and sacrificial lamb. He broke bread declaring that this is His body. That He was willing to die on the cross. And for us, the Lord's Supper is a time for us to remember the body. Today we celebrate a new covenant that's written on our hearts, not on a stone tablet. We celebrate a new covenant who is Jesus Christ. And so in just a moment, we will celebrate together the Lord's Supper. But the Scripture also teaches us this, and I want us to read this as we prepare for the Lord's Supper. The Scripture teaches us in 1 Corinthians eleven, twenty-seven 27 and 28, Whoever therefore eats of the bread and drinks of the cup in the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. So it says here in verse 28, Let each person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. The personal invitation here is to examine our hearts. To examine our hearts. You see, the Lord's Supper is for the believer. The Lord's Supper is for the disciple of Jesus Christ. It's not for anyone else. It's for those of us who have come to know the Lord as our Lord and Savior. The Lord's Supper is a time for authentic believers in Christ Jesus to reflect on everything that Jesus has accomplished for us. The Lord's Supper is a time where we confess our sin to the Lord and we cleanse our hearts in the same way the Jewish people would have gone through a washing. You know, one of the things that we can do is symbolically pray, or, or we can pray and symbolically cleanse ourselves, prepare ourselves for the Lord's Supper as we prepare to take the bread and the fruit of the vine together. And so I want to invite the men who are going to help us to distribute the elements to go ahead and prepare to distribute these elements. I want to invite the the worship team, if they will, to come on up. and, And we're going to prepare ourselves for the partaking of the Lord's Supper together. But I want to invite you, church family, I want to invite you, faith family, that as we do all of this, as we move into a time of distributing the elements, and then we move into a time of really celebrating and worshiping together through this song that the the worship team is going to lead us through, I want to invite all of us to prepare our hearts. Let us spend time in reflection. Let us spend time in, in, in prayer. And let us seek God. Let us think about everything that Jesus Christ accomplished on the cross. Let us think about the the reality that Jesus paid it all. And He paid it all for us. I want to pray, and then our men will move into place and distribute the elements, and we together can worship Jesus and reflect on who He is. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit of God, Lord, we thank You for this day. We thank You, Lord, for the powerful meaning behind the Lord's Supper. Father, to us, the Lord's Supper is not just simply a ritual. For us, the Lord's Supper is not a time of just going through the steps or going through the motions of Christianity. But Lord, for us, this time together as we break bread and as we drink from the cup, this time for us is of grave importance as we remember the sacrifice that paid it all. As we remember the sacrifice that was made on the cross. As we remember Jesus going to the grave and in three days having victory over both sin and death, as He rose from that grave. Lord, this morning, we celebrate together, and we are thankful for the broken body that we are to partake. We are thankful for the blood that was spilled, for the atonement of our sins. Lord, we love You, and we praise You, in the name of Jesus. Amen.